Hi, everybody. Welcome to our very first ever live episode of Taking Stock. Wow, this is exciting stuff. And then waiting for you guys to, to join the live stream, but I'm really excited. Okay, people are coming on. I said nine of you are now. Awesome. All right. So it's our very first live episode of Taking Stock. And also the very first time that I'm using our brand new studio. Not much to look at right now. You're not really seeing anything. Let me give you a little tour before we start. So we've moved into our new studio space. This is really behind the scenes stuff, right? And it's really empty. So here we have office desk. Literally just moved this in today. And makeshift sound blanket. <laughs> Here's our lights, microphone. Here's the setup. Yeah, this is what we're looking at, looking like right now. The beginnings of KRM Studios. So you get your exclusive first look right here on Taking Stock. How exciting is that? So we have a lot uh, in store for you today. As usual, we have a, a full show. So let me give you a little preview of what's coming up on this episode of Taking Stock. So first of all, July 1 marks the change to St. Lucia's international business company, the IBC Act, which had allowed non-resident organizations to benefit from very low taxes. And then globally, the world's most powerful companies, the G7, are calling for a global minimum business tax. So joining me a little bit later on to discuss, we'll have Vice President and Head of Tax Advisory at Cygnus Group, Denzel White. And then the analysts will be weighing in on the latest market developments because there's a shortage of cement, leaving retailers struggling to meet demands. And then speaking of cement, well, Carib Cement's results are out. So we'll find out from the analysts how they did. And then internationally, Robinhood surged 50% in trading last week. I wonder why. Well, we're going to find out from the analysts. So I didn't even tell you. I'm Kalila Reynolds, and welcome to Taking Stock. Of course, we're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. But as usual, before we get started, head over to my website, kalilareynolds.com newsletter to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. And you can uh, click the link. I think it's in the description box below. But if it's not, then kalilareynolds.com newsletter is where you subscribe to that. Now, come on, let's get this money. Here's what's hot. Brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Barita Investments shareholders have approved an additional public offer of at least 160 million new ordinary shares. The approval was given at the company's extraordinary general meeting last Tuesday. Directors can upsize the offer by a further 80 million shares in the event the invitation is oversubscribed. New shares are intended to raise capital for the benefit of the company. The public will be invited to buy the new shares. The other terms and conditions of the offer will now be decided. This AP will be Barita's second in about a year. The company raised $13.5 billion in an APO last September. At current market value, the new shares would be worth about $13.4 billion Jamaican dollars or about $87 million US dollars. Jamaica's reserves are said to be boosted by more than 500 million US dollars in the next few weeks. 
IMF member states have approved a $650 billion U.S. dollar fund to help countries deal with mounting debt and the impact of the pandemic. It's the biggest resource injection in IMF history. Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark says the development has come at a critical time. About $275 billion U.S. will go to emerging markets and developing countries. The allocation will be effective on August 23 and will be credited to IMF member countries in proportion to their quotas in the fund. The exclusive cashback platform in the Caribbean has partnered with WePay to bring cashback offers to the region and drive more paying customers to local businesses. WePay CEO Aldwin Wayne said that the company is pleased to extend the American cashback network to the Caribbean. Wayne explained that if a Caribbean business uses WePay and someone from the U.S. uses a card issued by a U.S. bank with cashback features enabled, they will be able to get cashback as a reward from spending at that location. Under the partnership, Cash will launch cashback offers to over 50 million U.S. travelers to the Caribbean, and WePay merchants will have their businesses and offers advertised to a massive new audience. The NCB Financial Group is expected to launch a mobile wallet solution link this year. The company said that the aim is to disrupt the financial services landscape for the good of its customers. Speaking at the company's recent investor briefing, CEO Patrick Hilton said a subsidiary has been created to launch the mobile wallet. Hilton said it will allow customers to send and receive money to make payments at merchants and other stores. The announcement for Link comes on the heels of the start of the pilot of the Bank of Jamaica's digital currency, CBDC. NCB Jamaica will be the first financial institution to test the new system. Meanwhile, over in Belize, the Belize Bank has launched eCash, the first digital mobile wallet in the country. The solution was fueled by the COVID-19 pandemic, which has made social distancing a public health necessity. The new payment method does not require citizens to be customers of Belize Bank or any other financial institution. The wallet uses smartphones, telephone numbers, and 4G data. Users will simply need to visit designated eCash retail operators and top up their credit. The user can then make purchases and payments or send and receive money from another eCash user. The Belizean government is now in talks with Belize Bank and the National Bank to integrate these kinds of digital wallets in the public service. Fathers at the National Commercial Bank, NCB, can now access paternity leave upon birth or adoption of their child. The company made the announcement last week, noting that the initiative is aimed at helping to improve the overall employee and organizational health. The policy caters to fathers married or who have been in recognized common law unions for at least six months. Employees can take advantage of paternity leave up to three times per year for births, adoptions and stillbirths. General Manager for the Group Human Resources and Facilities Division at NCB, Uton Cummings, said allowing fathers access to paternity leave will help them invest in their family lives. He added that the policy will open the door for the creation of better parenting relationships, father-child bonding, and postpartum support for mothers. Grace Kennedy GK has completed its acquisition of Scotia Insurance Eastern Caribbean. It says the company is to be rebranded under the name Grace Kennedy Life Insurance Eastern Caribbean Limited GK Life. GK Life will continue to offer credit protection on personal loans, residential mortgages, personal lines of credit, personal and small business credit cards across the seven Eastern Caribbean countries where the company previously operated. Group CEO of Grace Kennedy, Don Webby, said GK Life will strengthen the group's position as one of the leading financial groups in the Caribbean. Customers who held policies with Scotia Insurance Eastern Caribbean will see no changes to their policies or premiums by GK Life.
What's Hot was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. So that was What's Hot, a lot going on in business all over the region. And I know a lot of you are probably thinking, okay, what about the, uh, the Jamaican, the digital Jamaican currency? $230 million minted just yesterday. We're going to be having an exclusive interview or two exclusive interviews about that next week on Taking Stock. So that's something that you definitely want to stay tuned for. But this week we're talking about tax law. So there's a lot of changes that have happened in, uh, in the region and some that are proposed as well. Publicly listed IBCs, uh, international business corporations uh, that are listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange that currently benefit from St. Lucia's low tax incentives include Mayberry Jamaican Equities, we have Cygnus Credit Investments, Sterling Investments, and Proven Investments, to name a few. So how will these changes affect them? Because the changes came into effect on <coughs> July 1. Will they now have to pay 30% income tax. Well, just before I introduce my guest, let me welcome everybody who's joining us for the live stream. Really happy to, to have you on. And remember that you can uh, comment in the comment section on the live chat. If you have a question for our guest, I can also take your question. So just comment away, share away. Let me know what's on your mind in this segment and the analyst segment as well. Well, my guest today is Denzel uh, White, he is the Vice President and Head of Tax Advisory at Cygnus. Welcome to Taking Stock Live, Denzel. Good evening, Kalila. Good evening to your viewers. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you for this very first live episode. We're trying a thing. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so far, so good. I should also say that this segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency Insurance made easy. So Denzel, first of all, tell me what is uh, an international business corporation, an IBC? Okay. To a certain extent, you probably should be saying what was an IBC, but let me oh. just, um, go ahead. So yes, you're right. It's an international business um, corporation. Um, in, in the past, it, IBCs, particularly in St. Lucia and Barbados, were a feature of tax planning for persons who had investments in the Caribbean. It afforded them so many tax efficiencies through, through the, the CARICOM Double Taxation Treaty, as well as other um, features in relation to low information requests and um, low taxation, low income tax, low withholding tax, um, low transfer tax, and the avoidance of double taxation. So, so companies had, had IBCs as a favored destination to, to actually route their asset holding companies in. Ah, okay, understood. And so how much of a tax benefit have these companies gotten? So what percentages are we looking at? Okay, well, well, what they used to get, um, and I say used to because there are no more IBCs for Barbados, and even though IBCs remain in, in St. Lucia, they are basically going to be, have been taxed as regular business companies in St. Lucia now. 
So what they used to benefit from in St. Lucia, you had the option of um, selecting either 0% or 1%, yes, 0 or 1% on your, um, your net income as an IBC, and that obtained up to June 30th of 2021. And in Barbados, you had 2.5% as the, the tax rate that applied up to June 30, 2021. That has changed now, of course, because in Barbados, where there are no more um, IBCs, instead of the 2.5%, the, the former IBCs are now able to to, to, to they now have the same tax rate that applies to a regular business company in Barbados, which would range from 1% to 5.5%, depending on your level of um, income. And in, in St. Lucia, the tax rate is, is now 30% on St. Lucian source income. So tell me, why has this change been made? Is it that uh, CARICOM governments were complaining about it, that businesses were getting away with not paying taxes? Well, I, I wouldn't say it, it originated with the, with the CARICOM countries. <clears throat> it, it really originated with the OECD because the, the OECD has for some time been raising issues in relation to, to, to BEPS base erosion and profit shifting so they they saw it as a danger or a threat to, to country to higher tax um, jurisdiction countries when companies that wanted to, to 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 get these benefits would shift their profits from um those higher tax jurisdictions to the low tax jurisdictions and it it it, it took away from the base of those other countries and basically affected the, 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 the country's ability to, to meet their, their financial obligations. Even in, in, the, in, the, in this time of COVID, when most countries are seeking to ensure that they can um, deploy resources to, for, for healthcare. And what OECD did was to actually blacklist both um, Barbados and St. Lucia oh, in 2017. That's what happened. Yes, That's and when, when we are blacklisted, a lot of um, countries and companies won't want to do business with them, and and I guess that's what prompted them to move, and they moved pretty swiftly because by 2018, both um, Saint Lucia and Barbados actually came up with something that caused them to be with a plan that was accepted by OECD so much so that they were removed from the the blacklist. Ah, I see. So, well, it, it sounds quite similar to the reasons behind this push for now a minimum global business tax. So are there similarities there? Absolutely, Kalila. So the, the OECD, again, through an inclusive framework um, in collaboration with the G20, actually are looking to go even beyond just this matter of blacklisting, but trying to, through the inclusive framework, get all the, the member states to sign on to, to remove the, the, the low tax jurisdiction in, 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 the, in the one in, in the first place. But they go, they go beyond that. 
they have gone beyond that to actually seek to have the, the, the basis for taxation, not only being your residency. Because typically a, a country, most countries, one of the pillars of their, their taxation regime is to tax their residents. And if, some, if, a, if an entity simply moved its residents from that country to another country, uh, that would cause them to come outside of the scope of the tax um, jurisdiction within the country that they want to avoid. So the inclusive framework is not only seeking to, <clears throat> to have a minimum tax applied by the countries that sign on, they're also seeking to have the tax basis moving from your tax residency to actually the tax market, the market that you're selling your um, products in. So if a big company like um, Google seeks to move its tax residency from the consumer market that it's selling most of its um, goods, this will actually address that because the, 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 the market that it is actually selling in will get a claim to its, um, to its taxes and the, the taxes on its income on, the, on that basis rather than on the basis of income of residency rather. Okay, I see people in the live chat saying this is a good explanation. Uh, JCJM says, hmm, this is, uh, I'm actually following. Good job, Mr. White. So, so you're doing a good job of explaining it and I'm pleased, yeah. So, all right, so there are several Jamaican companies who are listed, who are registered in St. Lucia. And I know that some of them at least have come out and said that they are, you know, and Cygnus is one of them too, uh, have said that they are looking at how this is likely to affect them. And I'm sure that for some of them, there may be different ways in which they are affected. So I'm going to ask you to speak as generally as you can uh, to say what's likely to happen here. Is it that these Jamaican companies are now going to have to pay the full 30% corporate income tax? Okay, so 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 the thirty percent only applies to Saint Lucia and to Saint Lucia source income. So if the if the IBC in Saint Lucia is making most of its income from another jurisdiction, then that thirty percent tax rate will not apply to that um, to that to that IBC in Saint Lucia. But there are some other things that might apply. Whereas previously, most of the payments made by that IBC would have been without withholding tax. You're going to have withholding tax um, since um, July 1, 2021. So the directors of those um, IBCs who used to get directors fees without any withholding tax, not being residents of um, St. Lucia, they will actually be um, faced with a 25% um, withholding tax on such payments. Mm -hmm. And that is not about, the, not about the income in that country with the 30%, but they might, might not have recognized that they will have that 25% withholding tax. If that IBC is paying out um, management fees, it's going to have 25% withholding tax. If that, if that IBC is... Well, dividend is, is something that will still remain at zero coming out of the, the, the IBC. 
but I know a lot of um, the, the, the directors never realize that they will actually be faced with um, tax on their director's fees. That really is subject to tax in the, the country that is making the payment based on the, double the CARICOM double taxation treaty. So um, this is going also, to affect the directors more so than the actual company. So the directors on a personal level will have to pay these taxes? Well, it's interesting that you say that, um, Kalila, because some of these directors may actually have sway within the company to, to say that their directors' fees should, should remain net of tax, which would mean if the, if the directors don't bear the tax, the companies will have to bear the tax for the directors. Mm. Yeah. And, and whereas before those companies would have had, um, well, let me not say before, there are restrictions in relation to the deduction of management fees in um, management fee expense in St. Lucia. No, no restricted to one tenth of um, the other expenses. No, that wasn't an issue wasn't a major issue when the tax rate was low, but when the tax rate is higher, you can see that it would res result in a higher, um, higher base for tax to be applied on. In Barbados, for example, because we have been talking about St. Lucia a lot, you, there's no deduction um, going forward in relation to management fee expense to, to related to connected parties. And that, will increase the, the tax base in, in Barbados. The a beauty about the Barbados regime is not only that their, their tax rate, the highest rate now um, is 5.5%, but also that they actually have no withholding tax. So the regular business company in Barbados now has no withholding tax on payments to, to non-residents. And another beauty of Barbados over St. Lucia is that Barbados have so many double taxation treaties with other countries. So if, if your CARICOM entity is just a special purpose vehicle between your ultimate beneficial owner and the Jamaican assets that you might be investing, investing in, whether shares or otherwise, you'll find Barbados pretty useful because with, with St. Lucia, St. Lucia doesn't really have any double taxation treaty with others. So when you're pushing the money through the CARICOM, CARICOM entity up to somewhere else, for example, you'll find some utilities going through Barbados. So there are still lots of um, benefits to, to So to if juggle. I'm looking to incorporate a company now, should I be looking mm -hmm. at Barbados? Um, Kalila, I'd have to have a talk with you to find out what the income stream, <laughs> what the income stream would be like, right. what the expenses are like, what your objectives um, are, right. which countries you plan to um, to ultimately route the, the income to. Where your partners are would be important right. because if your partners are in China versus US versus Spain, then I'll be telling you something different. Yeah. So I really actually looked into this. I looked into this last year because I was like, okay, all these big name companies are incorporated in St. Lucia as IBC. Well, I want to incorporate KRM as IBC too and, and take advantage of the same benefits. But for a company my size, it didn't make sense. 
add, added to that that the laws were already changing so they had the mm -hmm. grandfathered clause so that the provens and the signals would still benefit up to a point but for me it was mm -hmm. a little bit too late but then in addition to that there are the fees associated with maintaining an office in St. Lucia, which wouldn't make mm -hmm. sense for a company my size. So I imagine it would be the same thing in Barbados. So if you're under a certain revenue threshold, it probably doesn't make sense to go try and incorporate there, huh? Uh, absolutely, you're, you're spot on because there are economic substance requirements that may require you to have your records in the, the country your meetings in the country, adequate employees, adequate expenses, adequate resources, and all of that um, has ongoing administrative costs that you have to weigh against the potential benefit. So you're, you're always going to, to, to be required to look at, at the cost-benefit analysis. Look at the savings, yes, on one hand, but you have to compare it with the, 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 the cost and see if it's, it's, it's worth it. Not only the economic cost, but the administrative cost as well, when we're talking about economic substance. Right, right, right. So, but, but how does that work now with having being legally required to have your meetings in the country when most meetings are taking place online these days? So, so, so you want to have a situation where ultimately the the person who convenes the meeting is in country and uh, adequate number of um the persons attending the meeting are in country or certainly not in any con any other country that might want to claim your residency at the time of the the the, the meeting mm. and 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 ultimately, mind and management, the location of mind and management is important, still important to determining where you are resident. But your residency requirement still is different from the economic substance requirements. Somebody's asking about Cayman. What about Cayman? Cayman is currently a, a, a no tax, no income tax um, jurisdiction. Uh, I don't remember right now, but it would be important to check if they are part of the inclusive, the, the OECD G20 inclusive framework to see if they signed on to the minimum, um, minimum tax. They might have, mm. which, which so, means that things might change in the future. Right. So speaking mm -hmm. of that, what's your view on this proposal? And we mentioned it before by the G7 mm -hmm. to have a, a minimum global tax to, to shell companies overseas. Do, does it seem like that's actually likely to happen, given that it's the G7 that's pushing it? It's, it's not really the G7 that's pushing it. You know. It's actually G20 and um, yeah. OECD, which um, takes it to over 300 countries worldwide. So that's that sounds, that's really, that sound big. Yes, it is big, and and quite a lot of um, countries have already signed on to it. We are expecting or promised to have um, more information about the the fine the fine details by next year, and possible implementation in within three years' time. So it's not so far off, actually. And um, 
so, so that is in relation to the scale of, of, of it and how likely it is to, to happen. And, and, and there's always strength in numbers. Once you come together, you know, you're, you're going to put pressure on those who stay away, you know? And um, so that's from the perspective of the, the, the likelihood of it happening. As to, 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 to my own thoughts on it, I would want to, to, to reserve it somewhat until the, the details are out and the, the devil is always in the details. So I don't want to reserve it. But, but just to say though, that the, the likely winners in that, and let, let, let the audience be the judge of it, the likely winners would be the countries that don't have the, 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 the big corporation, the big multinational companies resident there, but actually have the multinationals supplying to persons within their market. So, so the big consumer markets will benefit um, more than the smaller um, nations. And in relation to who will suffer the most as um, organizations, it's really the the, the real, real large multinationals that will suffer the most um, in terms of, and that's because they are the ones being targeted. So like which yeah? companies? They because are a lot seen of people as watching person. Denzel right now, a lot of people watching right now are invested in mm -hmm. companies, not just in Jamaica, but in US markets and European markets as well. So like which mm -hmm. companies are likely to, to be affected by this? You're looking at say Amazon and Apple and them companies there? Google comes to mind as well, um, in addition to those, those you mentioned. And we're, we're talking about companies that have revenues in excess of 20 billion euros, right? Mm. So we're talking about real large companies. And, and it's important to mention that in relation to the inclusive framework, the, it's only profits in excess of 10% of um, revenue that will come within the scope of the the proposed um, measures. If your profits, if your profits are not um, over the threshold that we just that I just mentioned, and at a rate of greater than um, ten percent, it will not come within scope. So the target it would really be very large companies, and with a bid to try to move their their income to the jurisdictions that the consumers are actually um, located rather than we are in residence. So there'll be no escaping it. Thank you so much, Denzel. And let me just read this last comment. Explanation is so on point, but I still believe having a tax advisor on your side would be such an asset for a company. Mr. White, does your company help small companies in this regard? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's that's what we do. Absolutely, that's what we do. Give us a call. We we want to partner with you. We want to, as I told Kalila just now, want to hear about your story, hear about what you want to accomplish, and actually sit down and um, create a plan to try to ensure that you benefit from all that is out there available for you that fits your own. Um, style and your own um imperatives all right thanks again denzel really appreciate the the explanation that you've given a lot of people i think me for sure i have a lot more clarity 
on what this is going to mean uh, when some of these, because it looks very likely, especially for the minimum global tax, uh, when it actually comes into effect. So I really appreciate that. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Kalila. A big fan here. Nice to be with you. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. So really happy to have all of you on and join the live chat. So remember, the analysts will be coming up very soon. So put your comments in the in the live chat for the analysts. 99 people joining us live. Tell me, what are you guys thinking about this live format? Uh, it kind of came about by necessity because, let me be honest, how this happened. So last week, uh, I took the vaccine. Half of my team took the vaccine and we all had some serious side effects from the vaccine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take it. You absolutely should. It really is you know, worth it to take the vaccine so that our society can get back to normal much faster. But that's a whole nother conversation. That's the reason we were unable to pre-record last week. And so we decided mm, we have the capability to go live. So let's try out this new live show. So tell me what you are thinking about this live format is something that we should do more often you want to participate in the actual filming of the show let me know in the comments yeah but first here's your market recap for your market recap brought to you by sagicor investments think wealth think sagicor investments The Jamaica Stock Exchange declined, with the combined index losing less than 1%. 106 stocks traded across both the main and junior markets of the JSC for the week ending Friday, August 5, 2021. 34 advanced, 56 declined, and 16 stayed the same. 44 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling nearly $289 million. Lumber Depot traded the most, taking up 24% of market volume. The stock lost 34 cents to open the week at $3.03. Fesco traded the second highest, with people buying and selling 4 million shares in the company. The stock gained 11 cents to open at $1.56. And Trans-Jamaican Highway rounded out the most traded, taking up nearly 9% of market volume. The stock remained unchanged to open this week at $1.25. Now let's see who had the biggest gains. CAC 2009.5% cumulative redeemable preference shares stock price rose 20% to close last week at $1.20. JMMB Group 7.25% gained $0.35 cents to open this week at $2.67. Rounding out our biggest gains, 138 Student Living Jamaica, which gained 49 cents, to open this week at $4.99. On the losing side now, KLE Group was the biggest loser for the week, down 14%. The stock closed last week at $1.07. Sibony Group was second on the list, its stock price down 14% this week. The stock opens this new week at $0.42. Cents. Rounding of the biggest losers, JMMB Group 5.5% FRUSDCR preference shares, which lost 13%, to close last week at $2. Market recap was brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. All right, so time now for the analysts. <laughs> we have the analyst montage. No, I don't think we have it up. Well, that's that's okay. We do have it. No, we don't have the analyst. <laughs> 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 
that's what happens in live. This is the first time yeah. we're trying it. You know, we're gonna have some kinks and bumps, but I think it's been pretty good so far. So it's time now for the analysts, and this segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, JMMB. So you see Greg Linda here joining us from JMMB Group. We also have with us Keisha Bailey. She is from Profits Jumpstarter, founder and CEO. She's also a financial coach. And last but not least, business writer at The Observer, the famous David Rose. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hi, thanks, thanks for, for having us. All right, good. So let's get right into it. Let me see. What are we talking about first? Mm -hmm. Cement. I hear there is a cement shortage. David, what's going on there? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Kalila. So what we're seeing right now is that because there's such an explosive demand locally for cement for all this construction, what you're seeing, what you're seeing right now is a disproportionate uh uh, issue regarding supply in certain markets of the country. So on the western end of the island, which encompasses like your St. James, your Ocho Rios, and so on, they're saying, hey, we're not getting enough cement to do our business. You know, we have time and things to finish and we don't have enough cement to really keep up. And Harry Smith said that, hey, it was a logistics issue, but that doesn't matter. They have things to do. And other company that is no that is allowed to import cement, in this case, by now cement limited, has a quota of one hundred and twenty thousand tons of cement per year. So when they're finishing in cement for the month, that's just it. They can't put any more until the next month starts. So what you're seeing right now is that Carib cement is struggling to keep with domestic market, which is a great thing. Because a decade or so ago, the demand wasn't as strong for construction in Jamaica, much less even to the point where you're seeing harassment hit new record highs in production. So in March alone, they hit 100,000 metric tons of cement production alone. And what, what happened right now is that harassment is actually going to embark on a 30 million US dollar or 4.6 billion Jamaican dollar expansion project in the sense that they're going to upgrade the capacity of the Rockport plant by 30%. So they're making about 1 million metric tons per year. They're planning to. So, so David, if they're making all this additional cement, they're producing more. It is the demand side then. It's just that the demand has been so great that they can't keep up with it. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Keisha, when you were on, we're talking about this construction boom and all these new projects. Yes. So, Keisha, is it what are you seeing? Is it just that the demand is too great that they can't keep up even with increased production? Yeah, so we spoke about over 90 new developments coming on across the island. That is record high. And so because of that, demand is very strong. As David mentioned, there are lots of logistics issues, but these have been age-old problems with carb cement, and they continue to persist. Um, demand, however, is strong. Don't see it abating anytime soon. So should be <laughs> interesting to see yeah. how this plays out. Mm -hmm. So Carib Cement just posted their results as well, David. What are the results looking at? What, how is this playing out in the numbers for Carib? Well, Carib is having the time of their life, if I like to call it. <laughs> I'm that. sure. Because for context, Carib Cement did $3.2 billion in net profit last year. For all of 2020, right? Including COVID and everything. They won $3.09 billion in net profit just for the nine months and 
for the for the for last year they did 20.1 billion dollars in sales in terms of revenue in the six months overall they've done 12.5 billion dollars in revenue overall as well relative to 9.6 billion dollars last year so you're really seeing the demand built in the numbers and Carlton has basically taken that money to really free themselves up so some history some background history for those who didn't know so Carlton went through a very difficult time between 2009 and 2013 where you know issues with the cement at the time the quality and so on so declining in terms of demand and so on so what you saw is Carlton taking years and years of losses to the point where within 2013 they recorded a 3.35 billion dollar loss as a result they incurred a large debt load which in 2018 was 11.4 billion dollars so what you end up seeing now is that because they're making so much more in terms of profits and in turn cash flow they're paying on their debt very aggressively so they owe 3.1 so this, this is what we're looking at here i'm just sharing my screen i just went on jse website to see what the stock price is looking like so yeah. they're trading now at about $95, 94.87 is what they would have closed that today. Let's see what it looked like six months. Ooh, nice yeah, yeah. increase over the past six months. Year to yes. date, so year to date would be similar. And over the past year, a nice increase. So this time last year, $43. Now we're at 95. So just about double, 100% yeah. increase in the stock price over the past year. So. So that's looking. What's the what's the projection, uh, Keisha? You think for for Carib Cement? Do you think they're likely to continue? People are gonna continue snapping that up. Absolutely, including myself. <laughs> Carib Cement is doing extremely well because of the demand, as we mentioned. They're also very good at cost control. When we think about the main drivers of stock prices being earnings coming from higher revenue. Carb cement is a tick tick on both and their cost control is excellent. I see them going much higher. I love this company. I think they're doing a great job outside of their logistics issues, which they'll have to work on separately. They're really poised for continued growth. Really love them. Okay. So let's look at another local company before we move overseas. Cause I really want to bring Greg in here. So uh -huh. Greg, we're looking at Grace Kennedy. They've completed the acquisition of Scotia insurance eastern caribbean limited tell me what that is going to mean for the bottom line at grace well it should be positive um we don't have the full economic details of the transaction but on one side you have a north american owned company that's looking to reduce their footprint in the region and you all and then we have a regional conglomerate like grace expanding their wings and acquiring this business from them it gives Grace a presence in the Eastern or increased presence in the Eastern Caribbean. May not be much or significant in terms of potential clientele. I mean, if you look at the total population of all those countries that Scotia Eastern Caribbean operates in, it's about 650,000 people. So that's a little over half the population of Kingston. But the GDP per capita for those countries are very high. In some cases, there are five times what Jamaica's GDP per capita is. So there's depth of market. There's potential for them to actually offer products and services to increase their revenue base and bottom line. In terms of insurance, um, it's it's not the biggest contributor. It's, it's I think food and money services will continue 
to be the main drivers of grace overall top line and profitability but you know increasing exposure to insurance diversifies away from some of those business lines and diversity is always good i mean it still carries a certain amount of risk we know the eastern caribbean is prone to hurricanes and that's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to insurance but nonetheless it, it's still a, a move in the right direction for grace and you know we kind of see the platform for insurance growing with um canopy insurance um gk insurance which is already an established name in jamaica and now they actually have a conduit offer those some of those products and services in a wider caribbean so all being said you know grace is a well-managed company i'm sure they'll make it work and I'm, I'm pretty sure they got a good deal on it. So, you know, I look positively at how that will come out for Grace at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Grace is going hard with that new M&A division, no? the mergers and acquisitions division. Just another yeah. example of it. So we have some comments regarding Carib Cement. I'm not sure which of you uh, wants to take this. So Lovell is saying, with this record high from Carib Cement, isn't it time now that the company starts paying a dividend? I Not necessarily a question for an analyst. It's this is a question for management, but perhaps you have a perhaps you have an opinion on it. Who said you what? can take it, David? Uh, yeah. So for okay. context, Carrie's been last paid dividend back in two thousand and five, and the reason I don't necessarily pay a dividend now is for two key reasons. For one, it was a large long-term debt, which is just down to five hundred million now, and the preference share debt owed TCL their parent intermediate pairing company and I said TCL, I mean Trinidad Cement Limited. So they're about $2.44 billion where the preference is outstanding. And the thing is, if so let us say Carson pays a one say a one dollar cheaper kind of dividend, right? They would have to pay a preferential dividend at the same or equal rate. No sorry at an equal or or greater rate in US dollar terms to TCL. So Carousement can just say, oh, we're going to pay a dividend. No, it's going to incur a liability to pay TCL, that US preferential dividend. So right now, you know, the prior GM, general manager, Peter Dunker Sloot, said in 2019, before COVID, that based on the projections of COVID, prominence performing, that by 2023, they should have paid mm -hmm. off the long-term debt, preference shares, and, and consider a dividend. Right now, based on how they have been paying on it aggressively, Relative to the rate of sales, probably by the end of this year, the debt will be long term to be fully paid down. And on top of that, you'll have no more preference share debt. But remember, they're going to undertake our US $30 million uh, expansion project right now for Rockford. So we're not sure as yet how it's going to potentially affect the dividend. But really and truly, TCL is going to want some money because TCL Carrington is the best performing subsidiary under Trinidad Cement Limited. That gives a context of how great carpet is. Yeah, yeah. So let's mm -hmm. turn to some international news now. Robin Hood uh, came to, to 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 global attention with the whole uh, what do you call it? Our Wall Street bets, Reddit meme stocks, and the whole GameStop yeah. situation. The whole GameStop situation a few months ago and they listed on the stock exchange which one was it the nyse NASDAQ. over the summer the nasdaq then listed on nasdaq over the summer what, what last month was it it was last, last week. about two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago and they're already up 50 percent keisha 
So tell me about Robin Hood's dog. So Robin Hood, which trades by the ticker, and no joke, guys, it trades by the ticker H O O D. That's the ticker it's listed on. <laughs> it's at the that's a joke for a Jamaican, non-Jamaican. Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's trading <laughs> fairly um, volatile so far. It came out at $38, went as high as $85 in the first week after falling to 33 within the first day on the market. And it's your classic meme, meme stock meaning that Robinhood is being driven by what's happening on social media, particularly the Reddit website. You have a lot of persons there talking and giving stock ideas. And they're saying, well, you know, it's time now to buy into Robinhood because Robinhood is your flagship company of retail investors trying to stick it to the institutional investors. And what's happening because the stock, when it was listed the first day, the price fell, a lot of institutional investors ran in to start shorting the stock. The retail investors decided, well, we don't want Robinhood going down. This is our company. And so they started aggressively buying shares in Robinhood. That created what you call a short squeeze. And so because of that, the price had to keep going higher because the institutional investors were forced to start closing out their short positions. That created a quick run up in the price. So a lot of people benefited, double, triple their money. But the price has fallen back to about $53 um, as at close today. So exciting things happening with Robinhood. They're also making their first purchase two weeks after IPOing. They're buying first purchase? Um, what are a they technology buying? company for 100 and Yes. <laughs> a technology company for $140 million That came out after market close today. How much was the their intention IPO? is that they're going to How much did buy they raise from their IPO? Uh, it was uh, mainly for persons to buy out the initial angel investors, but this was the first IPO of its type to have retail investors as well. So it was oversubscribed. I'm unsure on the specific amount, but it was massively oversubscribed, which is why everyone was upset that it fell within the first day. Mm. So I know, the I know where the trading on it you mentioned was was halted due to that volatility. So is that uh, the Nasdaq's version of the circuit breaker that we have yes, here in Jamaica. Exactly, exactly. Once you have a massive change in the stock price in a short period of time, it flips that circuit breaker for sure. <laughs> Laughing at these So comments. with the acquisition that they're this. <laughs> Close <Yeah. your> shoulders. <laughs> you, see, you see his comments? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <but. laughs> If we take it back to the financial fundamentals, still a good company though. Uh, they're making their acquisition for a technology company that out, that crowdsources in um, retail investor sentiment for the company meetings. So when you think about the technology play, still a good move for them. But all in all, very interesting time. We'll see how Robinhood plays out. Right, right. Very interesting indeed. So they have done a lot of let me not say a lot of marketing. They have benefited a lot from publicity. And you know what they say, no publicity is bad publicity. No matter what the reason for the publicity was and the whole GameStop controversy, I think it has benefited them greatly. And they have also gotten a lot of 
good press too in regards to the number of new retail investors that they've been able to bring to the market. So there's good and bad, but I think overall it really has benefited uh, the Robinhood IPO and the stock. And, and I think that's certainly one to watch for the future. So thank you guys. So we have uh, one more. Andrew said, LOL, good one. <laughs> Orville, says, Orville says, Keisha, every time you call the name, you smile. <laughs> Is that true, Keisha? <laughs> I wonder why. I'm a happy hmm. investor, a happy investor. <laughs> Smiling all the way to the bank. She got her in the IPO, so she's happy. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me on this special live edition. It was fun having you. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was interesting. I think that we really do need to, to have this format a little bit more often. I don't know if I'll be able to commit to doing it live every week, but at least maybe once a month. Who knows? We will consider it because I see that... Um, you guys have been really enjoying it. I, I love the numbers that we're having here on the live. 100 people joining us right now and the interaction. You guys are able to ask your questions. Next week should be interesting because we have that episode coming up on the Jamaican digital currency. We got an exclusive interview with the CEO and founder of eCurrency, which has developed the, the payment platform for the digital currency. We also spoke with Deputy Governor of the Central Bank in charge of currency, Natalie Haynes. So that should be a really good episode next uh, next week. So let me tell you what else we have this week here on Kalila Reynolds Media, because we're a full media host now, right? On Money Monday's JA, which would have premiered last night, we have my six top productivity hacks. So how do I get stuff done? Uh, lots of ways, lots and lots of ways that we're able to get a whole heap of stuff done in the same 24 hours that everybody else has. People always ask me, Kyle, how you do so many things? Well, here's how. Tomorrow, Money Moves JA should be interesting. So last week we spoke about how to uh, hire somebody, how do you find good talent, and what are your legal obligations to your employees once you've hired? Well, this week, we're talking about how to legally fire somebody. You're fired. Not that easy in Jamaica. You can't just tell somebody you're fired. There's a whole process in order to legally fire somebody. So this is beneficial information for both employers. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, you need to know this. And if you're an employee, you also need to know that you have certain rights when it comes to the retrenchment process. So of course, everybody, if you're joining me for the first time, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kalila Ray. Follow at takings.ja on Instagram. And if you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. Visit our website, kalilareynolds.com for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Please subscribe to my newsletter. I have so much stuff coming in store for the newsletter. It's kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter to get the link to subscribe. And I also want you to tell a friend about taking stock because what? Investing is the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Let's get this money. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.